Hello, Poetry by Scott. Um, this is the 401 podcast for anybody who doesn't know. This is my podcast account, so I'm going to do a lives and record podcasts from here. Um, I'm glad people are joining because I'm going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus and how it's affecting people and uh, see what other people think if they want to send in comments or anything. That would be cool. So I hope everybody's doing well today and uh, sticks around and joins in a little bit of this conversation. How is everybody today? Um, So anyway, hey Brett, how's it going? And uh, if anybody wants to join in the um, live, just know that you'll be on a podcast and um, as long as I know you, I'll let you join. So anyway, I'm going to talk about the uh, coronavirus a little bit and how it's impacting people. And um, myself specifically, I'll talk about because, um, okay, I'll do that, Scott. Yeah, because, um, I don't know, I just, I think it's important how it affects people. So anyway, talking about that, um, personally, initially, I thought it was kind of, um, when it first happened, I knew the severity. Um, I caught it early through the Joe Rogan podcast. And um, so anyway... I caught it through the Joe Rogan podcast, did some research on it, but didn't think of the scope on how it would impact um, America and the world um, eventually, and it impacted us a lot harder than I initially thought. Obviously, um, it's a big problem, so I kind of took that um, opportunity, and being off working like that, and my wife's a teacher, she's off work, uh, to ultimately deal with some mental health issues that I had and, um, had not been dealing with personally. Um, my wife was the one who kind of triggered me into talking about it and dealing with it and approaching it in a different way than I had been because the way I, um, was approaching it wasn't working for me. I thought it would, but it clearly wasn't. Hello, Randy. Um, and yes, my wife is not technically off of work. She is working from home. I meant that she's not in a building working and teaching. She is working from home, and they are all working very hard. I do apologize for that. She is commenting um, here on my uh, Instagram Live, which I am recording this podcast from, for anybody listening to the podcast. Um, and thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Um, so anyway, back to what I was talking about. So... I have my own mental health issues I've had for basically as long as I can remember my whole life. And I was in a pretty bad spot the last, I want to say it got bad the last year, um, maybe six to eight months, but for the last couple of years, it was really bad and it was getting worse and worse. And, um, and I kind of knew it, but I didn't know it. So, uh, anyway, Anna, my wife, Anna, she, um, she kind of approached me in a very, unexpected but very appreciated way um, with a very direct um, line of approach which I appreciate out of people Um, I'm a direct person I'm a blunt person sometimes that's needed um, for me especially so anyway my um I was in a pretty deep depression and and I knew that because when I would write poetry it reflected in there and towards the last couple of weeks before this um, pandemic closed down my job and um, forced my wife into teaching from home. Um, Before that, 
I noticed um, two weeks before that I had written and did some recordings of some pieces and some of them were spoken words and they were just off the cuff, really not written. And they were really dark. They were so dark, in fact, that I asked my wife not to listen to them. And that should have been a red flag right there for me, but I was not in the right frame of mind. Um, ultimately, I deleted those posts from my Instagram. I um, did not want them um, being out there for people that I... That the people, I don't mind my poetry community hearing it, but the people in my personal life, um, that kind of worried me and in my professional life too, in my job. So, um, that really had an impact on me. Um, so anyway, I started dealing with my problems after, um, several, uh, long, hard conversations with my lovely wife. And, um, I found that, I know I've had anxiety my whole life, and what I would do is, nobody knew, what, very few people really noticed I had anxiety. Um, especially some of my closest friends I had talked to, talked to about it very recently and said I would have never guessed. And the reason that is, what I, would, what I learned to do, a coping mechanism for me was, um, I had several, but one of them was, I would put myself into a depression to avoid my anxiety, or I would go into depression to avoid anxiety. So then I would just be depressed rather and, and ignore my anxiety. And then my depression would get worse and worse. And I could turn on and fake it and, um, you know, make it look like I wasn't nervous, anxious, depressed, whatever, when I had to. But the people closest to me were seeing sides of me and things that were, um, weren't very good. They weren't very positive. They weren't me. I didn't feel like myself. And um, it was really hard on me to accept that and to really realize the impact that I had on those people. My wife, for one, my children, who were very young, uh, five and seven. And then, you know, my my parents, my sister, um, my wife's family. Um, we're all family, but you know what I mean. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult thing for me to uh, deal with initially. But I kind of faced it head on and was really ultimately happy with and. I'm still happy with the way I'm dealing with it and handling it. I was always one of those people that I, you know, I'm never, I've never been against the medicine or getting help or asking people uh, or telling people that, hey, if that works for you, like, you know, that's great. For me, I always said that um, it doesn't really work. I don't think it'll work for me. I want to deal with it my own way, my own on my own, and kind of basically I was self-analyzing. Well, when you start doing that, self-analyzing without any help from the outside. There are parts of things you can't see because you're blinded to them. And no matter what you see now, like there's other, there's always something, no matter how many things you think you're seeing, at least for me personally, I can't speak for other people, but no matter how many things I thought I was seeing in myself, um, the, on how to deal with it, there were things I was missing and they were very big things. Um, so I, after I talking to Anna and, um, and then ultimately I did go to my doctor, talk to him. And uh, I went on to uh, medication to help with um, some of my anxiety and depression. And um, I realized a lot of things. Now I actually have an easier time analyzing it, thinking about it from a perspective of um, objectively and completely aware of all the things that are going on in my life. And I talk to my wife um, a lot. We talk almost every, we talk every day. And uh, she... Um, She's a good listener, and I was just kind of bouncing things off of her, and she lets me be silent when I need to be silent to think. And we were walking one day, and I said, um, so I was trying to figure out my trigger, but I don't know what it was. Like, what triggered me into this depression? And about two, and I, I, I it took me a while. Like, it was the next day we were walking, and I, it occurred to me, 
because I said it again, and I just, I like to think out loud, that's kind of what I'm doing right now, that's why I do this podcast, I'm not really, I don't have anything planned, I just go on and talk, and um, if they suck, they suck, but um, I don't, you know, I'm just doing it for the fun of it, and enjoying myself, but anyway, um, so we were talking, and I, I said that to her again, I said, I really just, and I, I had, I kind of had an epiphany, like, maybe there isn't just one trigger, you know, maybe it wasn't one thing that triggered me, and, you know, I said that out loud, and it was off my mind for a split second. And then almost instantaneously, I thought, like, so as soon as it was off my mind, something popped into my head. And obviously with depression, there's more than one trigger. Um, throughout your life, you go through things that create the depression. And I've gone in the anxiety and I've gone through so many of them. And um, I'll get to some of those in this podcast, I'm sure. But um, the the big thing for me was as far as the recently, recently stuff was about two and a half years ago now. Yeah, it was two and a half years ago now. Um, I was hospitalized from work. I was in work and, um, I got really sick. Like I was having stomach problems and like that. And I went to the bathroom, come out, I was thrown up and I got dizzy and, um, I'd never been dizzy before. Not like, not like that. I mean, I've been dizzy like when I was a little kid, but I got dizzy and it was really, it, it, then it went away and I work on heavy machinery and it probably could kill me if I didn't, you know, be careful, which, you know, it is what it is. But, um, so I stepped back from my machine, it went away. Stepped to my machine again, a few minutes later it happened again, and it went away. So I went to the bathroom again, came out, didn't know what it was, and a buddy of mine just looked at me and he was kind of giving me a hard time, because, you know, we're good friends, and uh, that's what guys do, at least me and my friends, we like to ball bust, and he says, um, it's the matter, you're not doing anything, you don't want to work? And then he, he just got out, then he stared at me for a second and realized something was wrong, he said, you okay? And I just shook my head, no, I couldn't even talk, and I started to feel dizzy again. And he said, I'm going to go get you a Sprite because I told him my stomach was upset. So I head to the bathroom and I, on the way to the bathroom, I got so dizzy that I couldn't focus. Like it was like being on a merry-go-round where a motorcycle was making the thing spin as fast as possible. And, um, so I'm throwing up and puking and nobody's coming into this bathroom. Nobody's looking for me. Nobody even knew where I was. And I couldn't stand. Like I had to hold on to the four walls of the stall and it was, it was in bad shape. So I was freaking out. So finally I was able to crawl along the wall outside and yell for help. Somebody got me help and got me to the dispensary. And um, my blood pressure was 279 over 239, if I remember correctly, something like that, which is like, you know, horrendously high. Um, I was 37 years old at the time. Um, and uh, that's horrendously high. And it runs in my family. Um, that cholesterol, all, you know, stroke, heart attack, it all runs in my family. And, um, so it's a hereditary thing also with my diet and extra lack of exercise at the time, it was a problem. So, um, what I did was, uh, I, I ended up in the dispensary at work. They called an ambulance. Um, they sent me to the hospital and I had to spend the weekend for three days in the hospital and I'm hooked up to wires. I couldn't see straight. It was dizzy for about three or four hours and then three or four hours were pretty rough on me. Um, and so people are texting me and calling me and Anna's trying to get a hold of me. She didn't know where I was or what was going on, but somebody at work told her I was taken to the hospital, but they didn't know any information. And I couldn't answer my phone because I couldn't see. And uh, so finally the doctors were having to run tests before they would get the dizziness to stop or give me drugs to help with it. They couldn't figure it out. So they gave me the drugs um, and, uh, and the dizziness ultimately stopped. I called my wife, talked to her, told her everything was okay um, just to, take care of the kids and then she can come to the hospital a little later, you know, not to rush up here or worry too much. Um, but she didn't know the severity of my blood pressure at the time because I didn't want to concern her with that when she had the kids and she was out. So anyway, um, 
turns out that I had um my my I had a dizzy spell. They don't know what caused it. My blood pressure was like I said, two seventy nine over two thirty nine. Um, my heart rate was like one hundred and seventy, and I was just sitting and laying, and it was I was in bad shape, or so I thought. And um, finally, they got the blood pressure down with lots of drugs and like that, and they did um, ultrasounds and everything over it, over the uh, over my heart and like that, and my heart was an AFib. So AFib is basically when your heart's out of rhythm. And so they gave me drugs, hoped it would go back to normal on its own. It didn't. So on, this was on a Friday, on a Sunday morning, um, they brought me into another room because I was in, you know, in the heart center or whatever they call it. And they shocked my heart back into normal rhythm. And uh, then they let me go home. So I think, and back to what I was talking about, how COVID affects people. So like, I think that was my trigger and that all came to me all at once and it hit me, like, as I was talking about it and kind of just dealing with the fact that maybe there wasn't any one thing, that pops into my head. And I think that triggered me into a depression. And then, you know, ultimately, um, it spiraled downhill and it was affecting every aspect of my life. And um, and there's no way I could ever, I can't get back that time, but uh, it wasn't all bad. Like, I had, you know, there was a lot of good times in there, but my depression was a big problem. So um, I just wanted to talk about that and you know, how I took coronavirus and this pandemic and being locked down and stay at home and all that with everything closed. And I turned it into a positive. I, um, after talking to my wife, Anna, as I said earlier, she, um, she's very harsh and blunt, not harsh in a bad way. She's blunt with me. That's a better word. And, um, when she was blunt with me, it really hit me. And, um, like it was immediate. I just, I kind of, it's like, okay, so these are the things I need to deal with and started dealing with them immediately, made doctor's appointments, got on medication, all that. And, um, and I turned it into a positive and I started dealing with things in a positive, uh, way. And, um, in doing so, um, it has affected, um, my health physically and mentally. So I'm a, I'm happier person now. I'm in a better mood now. Um, I'm easier to deal with and talk to now for my family and friends. Uh, I know that, um, more, um, I'm back to being me, my more outgoing. So I turned this pandemic into a positive, but on the 180 side of that, there's a lot going on in the world with, um, and, and I'll answer any questions anybody has. And if somebody wants to join, I said earlier, if you want to jump in this live, feel free. I am recording a podcast just so you guys know, as long as I know you, if we're not friends or I don't know you, I'm not going to let anybody join. And it's not anything against you. It's just, I'd rather know the person joining. Um, but so just shoot a request in, um, if you'd like, it's up to you guys. No. And if you have any questions, throw them in the comments too. So, um, and, uh, so anyway, I started realizing that there's a lot of, um, domestic violence went up by like eight or 9% within the first two or three weeks. And I know it stayed steadily up. So I want to talk about how that impact and, and want to give people an opportunity to talk about how it's impacted them. And, um, I know poetry by Scott, who's, um, in this live or was, he said that, um, his latest pieces uh, reflected how he's in, been dealing with this. So I'm jumping over to his account right now. I don't know if he's still here. Let me look. But yeah, he is. Okay, cool. So um, I know there's only a few people in the room right now, which is fine. I, this is a very low, lower numbered account and like that. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'm on Scott's page right now. And uh, yeah, um, Scott, it took, it's taken me a long time and I still have struggle opening up, um, but I'm trying my best to do better and because it, it's helped people in the past when I do, uh, people I know and don't know, and 
I want to keep and can keep doing that, continue to help people as best I can. Um, and that's, you know, it's really just my life's like my goal in life is to just to make an impact in a positive way on somebody, anybody who listen, who needs the help or whatever. So it's something that I'm very passionate about. And, um, and it's, I don't, I'm doing it just because I, I enjoy the feeling that, you know, of purpose. It gives me, um, purpose. And, uh, that's kind of what I, um, what I need in life. I just need a purpose and my find different purpose in different things. There's lots of purposes and your purpose doesn't have to be huge. It can be a purpose to one person or one thing this week or this month or this year. And you can find new purposes every day. Um, I have a lot of theories on purpose and if they pop into my head, I'll mention them. But, um, and it is a very controversial subject, Scott, but, um, it's something that needs to be talked about and something that needs to be addressed. Um, I don't, uh, anybody who knows me, um, some people on here and people in my regular life, if I find anybody, um, creating harm to anybody, especially a woman or a child, it's a big problem with me and I'm very defensive. And, um, I've toned that back in my older years. Um, as most people know at this point, I don't talk about my birthday much, but today is my birthday. Um, so I talk about, um, I talk about that stuff at length with many people and, um, it's a problem for me as far as, um, when people are abusing women, children, or, or women abusing men, because that does happen. And now I am not defending or using that as a defense because it happens far, far less. Um, but it still does happen. So anybody that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem for me. So, um, and, uh, so Scott, I'm looking at some of your pieces here and, um, this most recent one you've written, um, it has six slides, and this is, says, um, you have a caption on your uh, Instagram post. Um, yeah, Scott, I know, and I love your writing. And I wish I'd see more of everybody's writing, but I have so many people I try to keep up with. It's hard. Um, but this is poetry by Scott, and his caption says, "One of my, On my one-year anniversary of Instagram, I give you my longest and most controversial writing. I've never really been interested in political writing, yet here is mine. Like it, hate it, whatever. So... Before I even read this piece, because I have not read this piece. Um, people who don't know me um, might be surprised to know. Maybe not. Some people know me a little better in here. Um, I'm very um, opinionated, politically active, and I love to debate and I love to argue. But I'm always respectful of people's opinions and views, no matter whether I, no matter what, whether I agree or not. Um, I may challenge them in some ways, not in a negative way, just kind of to open the line of discourse for conversation, but never in a negative way where I'm going to badmouth anybody or say they're, um, stupid or dumb or any of that, because I find that, um, you can't really, um, incite good conversation that can lead to positive, uh, relationships with other people through negative reaction to anything. Um, so I do my best and I am not perfect by any means. I react negatively sometimes out of frustration or, you know, impulse, but I do my best not to, especially on these subjects. So, um, I never do that and I won't just not, not something I don't want to do. And not that I've never done it. I don't do it anymore. Um, but you know, when I get older, you know, you get smarter and you get better better ways to handle things. So I'm going to go ahead and read this piece um, by Poetry by Scott, and that is on Instagram. And I'm saying that because I am on a podcast and on Instagram Live. So if anybody's wondering, I'm kind of doing a two for uh, two things at once here. And um, so anyway, here goes. This is the new normal. The system of oppression is our government's obsession. Do you not understand the question? It's not just one race, it's all. Unless you happen to fall in the class of super elite, raining down on your obsolete. 
We are freely masking our face in every public place. Makes getting sick quicker. Incubators are the wrong diagnosis. All while they are tasking and taxing, tracking our phone in masses, mass herds that don't question all without hesitation, turn around and sell the data in desperation. They say jump, we say how high. They say, or they make us fly right into our homes. In isolation, where's the provocation? They're lying to our faces, the deep state with their deep fakes to push their agenda to silence of mass hysteria to meet their criteria for the new world order. It's an obvious coincidence, isn't it? Obama was in charge of the Russian collusion. Intrusive Hillary and Pizzagate, they should be named enemies of the state and their pristine, clean Epstein and Dr. Fauci of the regime being head of government for five terms. How is that? Along with Bill Gates, he's behind the curtain of a certain organization that's on record in favor of depopulation. Of course it is WHO, WHO, headhunters for the NWO. This is the systematic pandemic, fear-mongering delusions of grandeur, disillusion, confusion, and disorder across every border. Manipulation and exploitation among the elite, with all with deceit, that creep into our lives with a noose they hide in plain sight. They tie around our neck as they lie, that it keeps our head on. That it's for our own safety, and our lives get repaired as we step into onto a three-legged chair, yet nobody sees that the stimulus check is hush money. Reaching into our pockets, stealing our wallets, and proceeded to take a back seat in our daily lives. To steal our cash, to replace it with flash, monitoring credit cards and phones. The days of being alone are now gone. Eradication of the middle class... If you don't cut it, you get bypassed. This might be a societal commentary for social distancing. If this is the pandemic virus, why are they lying about the actual number of people dying? We should be building up our immunity for the others who can't in our community. Yet how can we? When we are staying home, maybe alone, anxious and depressed, isolation is worse than cigarettes. What about the woman or child getting beat every week that can't get help that they need? When is it going to be illegal to go outside with documentation papers from our own country like Nazi Germany to the Jews crudely tattooed with numbers on arms or it's, or this time it's the Americans with vaccine tattoos? We the people are witnessing the burning of the Constitution at all cost. The sheeple aren't lost. We are willfully blind, being blindfolded by the wolves themselves straight in line to the slaughterhouses. Fuck that shit. Let's rise up against it. In short, that means revolt. I'll grab my torch and musket with my right to bear arms. Let's head to the fields and the farms. A revolution may just stop the collusion. At least tear down the walls of this maniacal illusion. This ain't 70, 1776 or the 1860s anymore. We've already got our freedoms to explore. Wake up and research, I implore. It's the new world order, I abhor. We have the right to fight against the tyrannical institution that's in the American Constitution. If the government gets too big, the people can overthrow it. Why do we forget this? So keep that in sight. Where we go, where we go one, we go all. A nation divided with fault will fall. Stand up. Stand proud. Stand tall. So, there's a lot in this piece uh, from Poetry by Scott. Um, and I'll just go right back to the first slide and just start there. Um... Uh, so let's see. This is the new normal, and he has a question mark at the end of that. This is the new normal. The system of oppression is our government's obsession. Do you not understand the question? And then he goes on and um, 
talks about all the possibilities that could happen within um, within what's going on with the pandemic and shutting down and like that. Now, I think um, I think masking our faces. I've heard both sides of it that it's good, that it's bad. I think if you want to, go ahead. That's your freedom to do. Um, but I don't. I don't cover my mask unless I'm in a store that requires it. And if I don't want to wear the mask, I just don't shop in that store. Um, I don't understand um, people wearing a mask um, in regards to being in their car by themselves. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. But, I mean, if, the, if people want to wear a mask, just wear a mask. I mean, it's up to you. Uh, I don't shop in store. I will I try not to shop in stores that require it um, because I don't think it's good. I th- I'd rather, um, like Scott says in this piece later on, um, build up my immunity to it. And um, I'm not too much in fear of it, but I'm respectful of it. And uh, thank you, Scott. And thank you for writing it and letting me read it. I'm respectful of it. I know it's a real thing. I know the pandemic is real. I know people personally that is that is that it has affected and um I actually wonder myself if I had it in November, because in November I was very, very, very ill, and I've never been ill like that before, and it, the, the symptoms were identical, and they couldn't tell me what it was for sure. Um, I was tested for strep, for flu, for um, uh, pneumonia, and um, it, they said they were going to treat it like it's pneumonia, but they don't know that it's pneumonia. It wasn't anything they knew of, so, um, but I did um, eventually get better, clearly. Um, and then in this piece, he talks about several things, um, tasking and taxing, tracking our phone in masses, mass herds don't question all without hesitation, turn around and sell the data in desperation. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are kind of desensitized to people watching them because everybody's got a camera in their hands um, and a camera on them, they feel like anyway. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, the government tracking anybody. I think it's a bad thing. Um, I think it's, I think privacy is something that's important. Um, he talks about, they say how jump, how they say jump, we say how high they make us fly right into our homes in isolation. Where's the provocation? Exactly. Um, there wasn't provocation. Um, there wasn't. Uh, and the thing is they, I think there was a misconception that they could force us into our homes. They can, um, there are ways they can shut down businesses through laws that we've allowed to be passed as a society. We have laws on pl- in place that I completely disagree with, and I, I said this 20 years ago, 25 years ago when they did, when they started doing the, um, forcing people to wear a seatbelt, I said, yeah, it's just a seatbelt, people say, but where does it stop? And, um, I don't, I'm not saying seatbelts don't save lives, but what I'm saying, why can't I just have the choice myself? The real reason was insurance companies didn't want to pay, uh, pay the premium, pay back for the people and the injuries. It was all about insurance and them making money on the tickets for the government, um, in the local government and that, that being, but, um, so that kind of ties into that where they say, you know, you, you're, you're giving up rights for what, for a false sense of safety, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying that laws aren't, um, a good thing in some cases, but I think too many and too many are, can be a very bad thing. Um, and then they're lying to our, he says, they're lying to our face as the deep state with their deep fakes to push their agendas to silence of mass hysteria to meet their criteria for the new world order. It's an obvious coincidence, isn't it? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. And, and, um, creating mass hysteria is a problem. And I think a lot of the times the, the um, media and the type of media we choose to follow 
and support, listen to, read, whatever, um, I think that plays a big part in it. I think sometimes a lot of us, um, and I was for a while, I do my best not to anymore as far as watching media that's for profit or taking it too seriously without really digging into it. And that goes for any of them. It doesn't matter if people want to call them right wing or left wing media. I don't care if it's Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, any of them. It doesn't matter to me. I look into them. I'll listen here and there, but I don't take too much too much of it serious until I do some research of my own through articles um, and uh, things that have been cross-checked and cross-referenced. So, And then um, talks about Obama in charge of the Russian collusion, intrusive Hillary and Pizzagate. They should be the enemies of the state. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a possible possibility, but that to me, like... Uh, it's, it's, to me personally, it's, it's a bit of a stretch. I'm not saying Obama was the greatest president ever by any stretch. I'm not saying Hillary didn't have her own issues as well. She did. And that was clear. Um, I, I was not a big fan of Hillary. Um, uh, so in the Pizzagate and all that, I think that was, that was also proven to be just, um, BS news. Um, as far as I've read, um, and then, but Dr. Fauci being head of government for five terms, how was that? Yeah, um, I don't know how that works. Um, I think he was just in there and people just kept using him because he probably had the right price. And then along with Bill Gates and talks about the World Health Organization when he refers to the WHO and NWO as New World Order. Um, And then uh, dis- dis- dissolution, confusion, and disorder across every border. True, it's happening everywhere, absolutely everywhere. I think China's got the uh, cut, get the hold on it because they got their people under control, and their people have zero freedom, and they control the news. Um, so, in that regard, yeah. And I think this has affected um, a lot of people in a negative way over there, but it's hard to say because you're not over there. And then um, they tell us it's for our own safety. Hey, Daisy, how you doing? And uh, the stimulus checks being hush money, and a lot of people do believe that. And um, I think it was a necessary response to the fact that people, you know, were losing their jobs or not working. Um, I think that it was a necessary for some people, but there were a lot of millionaires who got a lot of money, a lot of money for that. Um, and then to steal our cash to replace it with flash monitoring credit cards and phones. Yeah, that's that's right back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago. Um, not a big fan of the government or anybody prying into somebody's personal business. And then uh, this might be a social commentary for social distancing. If this pandemic virus, why are they lying about the actual number of people dying? We should be building up our immunity for the others who can't in our community. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, eh, that's actually something I'm on board with, uh, big time. And then he says, yeah, how can we, how can we, when we are staying at home, maybe alone, anxious and depressed, isolation is worse than cigarettes. What about the woman or child getting beat every week? They can't help, can't get the help that they need. And that's really what the big part of this for me was, um, and what I'm doing and talking about. Um, so isolation is worse than cigarettes. And yeah, I, I, your mental health can be so in your mental health can affect your physical health and it can you can lose that physical health and there are a lot of people that are at home alone completely alone not being able to interact with people not really being able to talk with people you know face to face which is a big part of life and um being part of part of being a human is being social 
And um, I think it's important for everybody to do that. And then um, as far as the woman or child getting beat every week, that I mean, that's even daily. There are so many women and children who are suffering the um, impact of domestic violence due to this. And they're stuck in a place where they have to they have to stay there. They have nowhere to go. And they're stuck with somebody who may be an alcoholic, who may have a gambling problem, may be just a, just a piece of shit prick who's beating them. And that's just, that's a big problem for me. Um, and that's what I think people are missing. And, and I don't mean people like us. I mean, people like in the government, they didn't really think these things through and they're not doing, I don't think that, I don't think that, um, all that's, all that can be done is being done. That's really the big thing. Um, and I think we have a societal issue in regards to um, domestic violence where I think it starts with education and we got to educate people and, you know, show more compassion to people and um, on a big, big scale and um, care about our neighbors and um, not trying to keep up with the Joneses or compete with it. We're not, it's not everything's a competition. And that's the problem, too. Like everything in society now is a competition, whether it's sports, politics or you know, whatever. It's like, you know, I, I vote for this guy because he's Republican or because he, he's Libertarian or because he's Democrat or because he's liberal or because he's, you know, it's all stupid and it's all team, team playing. It doesn't even make any sense. And they don't really, money rules the world and nobody, nobody wants to admit that. Nobody gives a shit unless it has money to do with it. And I learned that from something I posted on Facebook a couple of days ago. I posted a picture and it was a girl, um, little girl, Flint, Michigan, Flint, Michigan sign said, um, we've been without clean water since 2014 and that's true and that's sad and it's something that needs to be fixed. I'm not far from Flint. I know it still happens there. Um, it's still happening there. And the sub beside that picture was a picture of somebody with like, um, holding up a sign. We want our haircuts because they're protesting because they can't get a haircut, which I think is dumb. I mean, because you, you can't get a haircut. It's not that important. It's superficial and I'm not big on superficial. Um, and I wasn't trying to compare the two in, in the sense that some people took it. I was more or less making it a point of it's not, it's financial. If there was money to be made by fixing the infrastructure in Flint and giving them clean water, they'd do it. But there's no money in it, so they don't do it. Um, as far as opening up the economy, there's money in it, so people are going to protest it and things are going to get done because there's money in it. It all comes back to money. Um, but as far as like, people's mental health and being alone, some people are alone. And they're in their house alone. And being alone for too long without interaction, without contact is a bad thing. It's hard on people. So hard. And I know many people who are at home alone. And even some of them get to go to work, which is a good thing for them as far as interacting. But you're not interacting on that personal level where you can give somebody a hug or, you know, shake their hand or just put your arm around them, you know, or be in intimate in a, in a um, conversational type of way. And that's another one um, that I struggle with. Um, you gotta be, you know, that's a big part of being a human and being compassionate and being, um, part of a society and a group and a village or whatever you want to call it. And, um, yeah. And, and Brett, Brett, um, uh, a good friend of mine, Brett, Mr. Brett Allen Hart, um, he says here um, in the comment, I miss hugs big time. Yeah. It's, it's something like I felt bad because I went to my mom's house, uh, about a month ago and she was like a little nervous and like, like I, I went inside and she's like, what did, did you wash your hands? And she was kind of, she's being a little bit, um, she's a little bit in fear. And I think, you know, probably cause she's in her mid, mid middle fifties, you know, she's like 55 50, or 58 and, um, or 57, she'll be 58 or she'll be 59. I don't know. But she, so she's older. So she's a little concerned. And, um, but my stepdad, the opposite, he doesn't, he's like me. He's like, you know, 
we'll be all right. But it was kind of weird because I didn't get to give her a hug. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a hugger. Like, I, I hug my mom. I kiss my mom. I still give her a hug and a kiss on the cheek all the time. Um, I like physical, you know, as long as it's somebody I know. I don't like being touched by other people, but by people I don't know. But, like, somebody, if I, if I met Brett, I told Brett when I met him, I said, someday I'm going to meet Brett and I'm going to give him a hug. But um, but that kind of thing, being alone and in solitude, it's... um it's, it's hard. And, uh, it's, it impacts in, and I know like in older people, um, people who are getting older, they deal with that. They, um, they're in a lot of them, they're put into a nursing home or something and they're kind of forgotten by their family. People get caught up in their lives and forget to go visit them. And sometimes they don't have anybody going to their house and doing anything. And, um, that's really hard. And then it messes with your mind and it makes you think these things and believe these things that, you know, that, you know, maybe have some possible truth to them or some truth to them. And then your mind starts to go wild. You know, mine does. And you start thinking like, oh, you know, is this going to be martial law? Which I can, I am, I, I'm not hugely concerned with it, but I, I recognize that it's a possibility. So why not entertain it to really see you? Okay. What are the signs? What can we do to stop it or whatever? And, um, and yeah, and, and Scott, uh, Dot Daisy, um, she says real quick, that's why solitary confinement is considered cruel and unusual punishment. Very true. It is. And, um, and too much solitary confinement can drive a person literally insane. And, um, and, and Scott, unless he has his daughter, he's alone. And yeah, that's, and that's really hard. Um, that's gotta be impossible to deal with, um, sometimes. And, uh, and that's what I love about this community, though, is that at least we're going on lives and we're talking to people. And that's why I, I decided I'm just going to jump on here and talk for a little bit um, about this. Um, but yeah, and then Daisy, I see my mom when I drop off groceries, but I haven't hugged her since March 1st. Yeah, that's such a hard thing. Um, I haven't hugged my mom in at least that long. Um, and that I couldn't imagine. I can't. I never thought I'd go that long. I mean, my mom and my mom and I are really close. Like we're really good friends. Like. In my adult life, especially, we talk a lot, and sometimes we'll sit and talk for four or five, six hours, not even realizing it, about a myriad of subjects, even things we don't agree on. But um, she's like me; she likes to talk. So, um, and Scott, he says his parents won't let him see them. Yeah, it because they're it's a, it's a fear thing, and I I get being cautious, but there's a difference between being cautious and being scared, and being scared causes you to do things and react to things in a negative way, and. Um, and, and that's and that's really hard to do and hard to go through um, because some people it's like it's natural to have fear it's good to have fear on certain things but when you're in fear for your life due to your government or media or whatever the case um, that's that's a sign of how they're impacting our thought patterns over the course of long periods of time through um, poor education and um, and uh, and what I like to call a form of, um, move the camera there, a form of indoctrination um, into a societal type of way of thinking where your society is right and everybody else is wrong. And I, I think that's just a bad way to think and look at things. Try to invite and invite all different cultures and ideas and thoughts and into my life. Um, but yeah, and then Skyhunter Poetry, she says, I didn't see my parents for two years. I know that feeling. And that had to be really hard. Um, I kind of know what that feels like a little bit. Um, I grew up with um, with my mom, my sister, my two aunts, and my grandmother. I didn't have a male role model growing up. Um, I had a great grandfather, but he was much older. Uh, great man, I love the man, but he was a much, he was much older. So when we were when I was little, we were close. But as like in my formative years, like um, probably you know ten to teenage, I was I didn't really have any male role models. My father. Um, 
uh, at the time was uh, not a good father. He was a deadbeat father and um, was never really around. Um, he's since changed his life completely, like a true change, like big changes for him, which is a great thing. And we have a good relationship now because I don't hold grudges. And I felt like I need to let that go and um, and deal with it, you know, address it and move on and not hold on to that. Um, not that it doesn't still impact me in some ways, but I needed to um, get through that. So I can relate to that in that regard where I didn't see my father for so so very long. But um, ultimately, I did end up with a stepfather who I love very much and who was a great, great man and taught me a lot about life and like that. Um, and then uh, Daisy says, I'm lucky to be uh, I'm lucky to be able to hug my daughter who lives with me every day. That is a really good thing that you two have each other. It's not just good for you. It's good for her, too. And um, I don't know how old she is. I'm guessing um, I, I would guess in her 20s, or early 20s, if I remember right. But um, I think um, I think she'll appreciate that the older she gets. I know I do. Um, yeah, and, and Daisy says, I definitely am starting to see people in terms of us and them, them being those who refuse to wear masks around others. Um, okay, your daughter's 26. Okay, so I was right in her mid-20s. Her mid um, yeah, and as she gets older, she'll definitely appreciate things more and more. I, I speak from experience. I Reflecting, it's easy, and I will, wish I had the way to um, go back to myself and tell myself all these things, but you can't. you got to learn through life experience. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, as far as us and them, um, I don't see it that way because I think if you're, if you want to wear a mask, um, wear the mask. And if you don't, don't, and like, I don't judge anybody for wearing the mask. Just don't judge me for not, because ultimately if you're wearing the mask, you're protecting yourself. And if I'm not, then, and you see it as me not protecting myself, that's okay. Now, if I'm in a place where but I don't, I wouldn't do that in a large crowd of people where it's all tightly packed. There's a difference. I don't feel like I need to be walking around the grocery store if there's not very there's nobody around me and we're all six to eight feet apart or more. I don't need any protection. But I, now if I was at a, at a carnival or something, if they were going on, which they're not really anywhere, but like I wouldn't go to the beach like they are in Florida. Like that's to me an extreme, I think to open back up and it has to be done, you know, in a certain way based on where you live. But and how many, what the population density is and like that. But to me, it's like, um, just be smart about it. And I, I try to think about it in that regard. Um, but I just, I wouldn't want to divide the people. And as is what Scott, or Scott's saying, Dolly, that's for the dividing of the people. Separate us and take our minds off at all, all the real issues. I agree. Uh, we got to come together. We got to accept that we are different and that's, that it's okay to be different. Um, yeah, I maintain distance in the store. Some people don't, and um, I've dealt with that. But I don't like. I I don't have this overwhelming fear, so it, it's a little different for me. I'm not saying you do. I don't know that you do. But what I mean is, <clears throat> I just view it as okay. They don't know. They weren't. They they aren't. They don't know not to come up and you know rub up against me because they're not. They're so focused. Like one girl, I was in a um, cash register. And it's, you know, cash writers just tighten. We were social distancing in line and there was one, a few people behind me, a family it was, um, a girl, her daughter, and then her daughter. And, um, the girl goes by me and touches me, rubs up against me as a right, like right on top of me to get to hand sanitizer. So you're defeating the purpose of the hand sanitizer, but she was so focused on the hand sanitizer that she didn't think about the fact that she was touching me on her way to and from the hand sanitizer, where she could have waited another 20 or 30 seconds, probably, and she would have been able to get by where she was distant enough that it would have been um, 
practical for both of us. Um, that was just a personal space, whether the pandemic was going on or not. My personal space was invaded. Now, I didn't freak out. I just let, I just chalked it up in my mind to um, an ultra focus on one thing and not being focused on the big picture of it. And I think that's what happens with people. They're so focused on that mask, they're not seeing the big picture of it. Not you, I mean people in general. Um, because you see by your comments... Um, I think it's a both. Uh, you say it's. I don't think it's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of caring. I think it's a lack of both. I wouldn't say it's one or the other specifically. I'd say it's both. I think a lot of it is a lack of knowledge because people are given, um, being given, one piece of information today, and the next day the information from that same person changes, but they're not getting it because they didn't see it that day. And in other ways, I think it's lack of caring because people are so focused on themselves and they're all so self-involved that they don't care about other people. And I definitely, definitely agree with that. People just don't care about other people. Um, and that's a sad, unfortunate part of society. I think it, it's, it, but I think it comes back to education again. Maybe not formal education as far as um, mathematics and proper English or any of that stuff, but it's a lack of education in empathy, sympathy, and um, knowing um, knowing how to deal with stressful situations or situations you may not agree with, but you know, that can hurt you emotionally and not being able to handle that emotional stress. So there's a, there's a, um, there's types of education that vary. And, um, I think that's a really big thing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. So, and, and Scott says, all masks do is hurt yourself by exhausting your own immune systems and making your own immune system weaker. That's all. Um, and Dolly asks if he's in medicine. I don't know that Scott is, but I do know I've read that from medical professionals, that the masks are, you're, you're breathing your own stuff back into your own nose, first of all. Second of all, you're not allowing your body to take in certain things so that it can build up immunities to it. That I've read from medical doctors and med med medical professionals, and I've heard it on interviews. Um and I follow, um, like Scott here, I follow a lot of the doctors, um, not just Fauci, but Michael Osterholm is another one I really like. Um, and, uh, and a few, there's a few others I can't think of their names, but I know Michael Osterholm because he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and I listened to it four times. So I remember that name. Um, but I've heard, I've heard other doctors speak on the subject and, um, masks can be helpful in some cases, but not in all cases. So but back to like the um, the emotional impact of all this, um, the emotional impact of it and the mental health impact of it, like I was saying earlier, um, it, it, I turned it into a positive, and, but it's affecting people in a negative way. So I'm trying to be out there and open to people and, you know, they, you know, to talk and just chime in on it. And um, anytime anybody wants to talk about it, I, you know, I'd love to have anybody come in and talk on a live or on a podcast, whatever, because um, this is a recording for a podcast for anybody just joining. Um, but yeah, and, and Daisy says there are problems with the mask. That's true, but they also are a vital protection for patients and providers. Yeah. See, but that's a specific set of circumstances. Um, first responders and, uh, patients absolutely because that's, they're very, um, close at all times. Their proximity is different. So their, the impact is different for them. Um, cause my, I have a sister-in-law who's a, a nurse and another one who's an EMT and both of them, um, are handling it very different. One was very, um, nobody comes over. We can't be around anybody. Um, the other sister-in-law is, you know, being more like me. Um, but we still see her and like that cause we've always been around her anyway. So, um, but you know, so they're handling it differently, but I, I find it intriguing because, um, sometimes people, I, I see videos of these, these people who are, 
how do I say it, um, protecting themselves with the masks and the gloves, and then I see them pull the mask down, put it in their mouth, and chew on it like it's a t-shirt, you know, or I see them have the gloves on, order food at a drive-thru, sit there and eat the food with the gloves on, and then grab their face, pull the mask back up, pull it down, like, there's, they're defeating every purpose of what that mask and gloves are doing, it doesn't make sense, um, but so that to me is you know my struggle with it. But you know each person is handling it differently, and um, it's not about right or wrong. It's about personal um, personal comfort with it. For me, um, like I said, but now I'm not going to sit here and go to a beach where there's thousands of people like they are in Florida. In some cases, not all. Um, but it it's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, that is dangerous behavior, uh, Daisy, with gloves and masks. That's the problem, though. People aren't educated on how and when to use them. So I prefer having my choice, my freedom of choice. Um, I believe in my free. I believe in freedom, but I think freedom is a is a loaded term sometimes, because once somebody tells you your freedoms, you cease to have freedoms because that means there's a list, and if there's a list of freedoms, there has to be a list of things that you are not free to do. Um, I just, you know, but in, in America, in, you know, in many other countries around the world, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness um, is what we believe in now. Businesses do have that right to freely choose what they do. So if, say, we have a, we have a local hardware store here, one of the bigger ones, um, you know, as far as um, its uh, mass as a corporation, um, they've chosen to force people to wear masks if they want to shop in their store. Now, they have that right to do that because they're a business. And if they choose that for their employees, um, that's a good thing for them because that's their choice. Now, then I have the choice to shop there or not. Um, and that's my choice. I'm not mad at them for their choice. We're just, they made a choice and I'm making a choice and I'm okay with that. Um, and then you have other people who are like, um, you know, other stores who are recommending it, which I think is a as a better option based on the store now, because these hard, this hardware store, you're never close to anybody. And I'm okay with the social distancing with the cashiers because they're in contact with many people throughout the day. So they have, um, systems in place to prevent people from being too close. So, yeah. And it's all about the cross contamination. Yeah. And, and Daisy, and, and what I've noticed to Daisy is we see the stories on the Facebooks and um, Twitter, the news where people are not being reasonable about it. But what I've noticed about being out in the public when I'm grocery shopping, because in my home, I'm the only one doing the grocery shopping. Nobody else goes out to the stores, just me. So it's only me going out. I go in, I do my thing, and I'm out. But what I've noticed is most people are being really smart about it. We're just only seeing the people who aren't and we're seeing those because that's what sells advertising time on news channels. So we're being tricked, you know, for lack of a better term, into believing that so many people are being dumb about it. Yeah, a lot of people are being dumb about it. There's, but there's 370 million people in America, roughly, and maybe a couple of percent at the most are being dumb about it. That's still a lot of people. But there's a lot of people who are being smart about it. And that's what I'm finding and what I'm seeing out in the public just for my own self. Um, I, I, I gather, I went to three stores in one day and I saw hundreds and hundreds of people. I counted nine that were wearing their mask improperly. Um, nine out of hundreds and hundreds isn't much. Yeah, it's a problem, but it's a problem for them. And that's a lack of, again, education and not being aware of what they're doing. Some people just do things without even thinking about them. 
Yeah, and you see those people every day, every hour at work. Okay, so um, so you're seeing these people too, and and it's funny what we become aware of. We notice more the negative than the positive in a lot of times, and that's another societal thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, we notice the negative because we're so tuned to the negative. Um, there's a video um, on YouTube, and it shows news channels, and it takes these news channels and it dubs over and over all these news channels across the country and every news channel it's the same types of stories the same types of words the same language being used the same intros the same types of news stories and it's funny because everybody's getting the exact same news just with different names and um and we're all getting the negative and it's so negative that we start to see negative and when we see something positive we're like oh my god that was so sweet we need to see more of that but then we see one of those stories and 50 that are negative and so you're predispo- predisposed to believing or noticing the negative. So you, it's it's basically um, self aff- you're, you're affirming what you already believe because the news told you to believe it. Thank you, Brett. Um, oh, you have a prepare for a lie? You're going live? Oh, for tomorrow morning's live. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's and my live is almost over. This is going to end in a few minutes, I'm sure. I plan on doing a half an hour, but I've been on almost an hour yammering. So, um, my wife's right, I can't talk. So, um, yes, Brett, my brother from another mother, absolutely. Um, and I can't wait for your live tomorrow morning. I cannot wait. Um, so anyway, back to what I was talking about. Um, there's a lot of people who, you know, it's, it's an affirmation type of thing where people are seeing what they want to see. And, uh, I try to thwart that my bet the best I can for me because I find it to be um a lot easier for me to uh to deal with um those types of things really and it's you know it's it's been it's been effective mostly I try not to um look into things and you know affirm what I already believe I try to question everything um and even the things I believe um I question and, uh, yeah, negativity is contagious and it's easy to, to catch that because then it's easier to find like when something ha- positive happens, it can be something small that makes you feel better. And, um, so it's one of those that's, you know, you need n- n- positive needs negative, but too much of one is bad. And, um, our media, um, as a whole, and I don't mean media as in like, oh, this news station or that news station. I mean like anything, commercials, advertisements, news stories, um, on, on TMZ, like we're so caught up in uh, celebrities and all that other stuff. And it's like, we need to focus on ourselves and how we interact with each other on a personal level. Um, I think that's way, way more. Yeah, it, it, they are. It's, there's only like five or six people who own all the news in this country. And, um, and there's only like two that own most of it. And it's sad because they own so much of it, they control what we're seeing. And we're seeing what they want us to see, not what's actually happening necessarily. Or we're getting the whitewashed version of it. It's it's like our history books in school, they're all full of crap. They're written by the people who want, you know, who basically telling you what you what you what they want you to hear. And not the real truth about any of the history. And it's the same thing in the news. Oh, you're welcome, Daisy. And um, I'm sorry you were in a bad mood today. Um, and I just I, I prefer like coming on and just talking and conversating and not you know I'm not judging anybody for their beliefs. We all we all have a right to our beliefs and our opinions, and they're all valid. And we all see them a different way based on um, where we were raised, how we were raised, the region we live in. I grew up in the Northeast, so I have a different way of looking at things than the people where I live now, which is in the Midwest. Um, so I don't really see eye to eye with a lot of people around here on a lot of things. Um, 
but some things we do and that's you know it's just really cool to see the the different types of um cultural uh impacts on me within the same country but america's so big that there are pockets where it's just different you know people think different in the south than they do in the north and in the west than they do in the east and so there's a lot of different things yeah um and that's another thing the the ig family back to the mental health aspect of it a little more um the ig family has helped immensely just even before this and through this I notice a lot more lives, people um, joining in the lives because we have more time on our hands to interact with each other in a better way, in a, in a more you know conversational way. And that's what I love about doing these lives and these podcasts is I get to interact with people, whether it be four or five like in this one, or it's 20 or 30 in my other lives when I'm on the other accounts, or I'm just in the comments while somebody else is reading poetry or talking. Um, I find it interesting and I like interesting conversation, whether it's about this poetry or politics or sports i mean i have a lot of interests um and uh so yeah i really enjoy it but um the ig community has been a huge huge help to me and so many other people and then there are a lot of people i've met that um don't have a lot don't have anybody in their personal life to lean on and some of them people i reach out to in the real in, in the real world for lack of a better term um i've you know, we've become friends and I have, you know, their phone numbers and like that. And I check in on as many as I can. And I don't like to, um, push or, you know, be a bother, so to speak. But, um, I do try to reach out to people when, um, when I feel like it's time. And sometimes I wait a little longer than most, but everybody's different. So, but I do know this live is going to end in a few minutes. Scott, thank you for letting me read that piece. If you're still in here or if you're going to watch the replay. Um, and, uh, in the last slide of your piece real quick, um, Oh, you're in Kansas. Okay. I'm in Indiana, Northeast Indiana. Um, and I grew up in Rhode Island. I was born and raised in Rhode Island. I didn't move here until I was a little older. I was, uh, late in my late teens when I moved to Indiana due to my mom's job. Um, but, um, you talk about in your last slide, um, rise up, revolt, a revolution. I only got a couple minutes, so I can't read it all. Um, but when the government gets too big, the people can overthrow it. Um, I think cutting the government down would be a good thing. Um, I don't know that we need to overthrow it completely, but it would be really hard because um, what people don't realize is they have these uh, things called drones and they could take us out one by one without us ever even knowing they were above us, which is another scary thing. But um, yeah, yeah, that, Daisy, that's great that somebody checked in on you too. Um, I, I try to um, I try to check in with people uh, on occasion, especially people I don't see for a few days. But um, yeah, you're in Kansas, uh, Scott, so you're on a you're on the next time zone. Um, my timer's running, so I got a minute 27 left. Um, but this is a really good piece, Scott. I really like this a lot. Um, I like the way you wrote it. I like the, I like it as a poem and as the, the way you, the conscious thought, the, the, um, socially conscious way you wrote this. I really, really like this, um, piece and, uh, definitely want to read more, um, stuff like this. So, um, Hey Sandra. So anyway, with that being said, I got a minute left, so I am going to go ahead and end this live slash podcast. Um, thanks everybody for joining and jumping in. Um, I'm going to do these more and, um, I'm going to do them from, I'm not sure. I'll probably keep doing them from this account. Maybe try to promote them more. This one was a little bit different, but, um, anyway, uh, thanks for joining me here on the 401 podcast. I definitely appreciate it and let me talk and about mental health and a little bit about my thoughts on the COVID and how it impacted me. Maybe some of you when you commented and, um, Thanks for the poetry and uh, really, really, really appreciate you guys all for joining in and listening. Um, 
I'll try to promote these a little better. I didn't promote this one. This is kind of off the cuff, so I'm going to promote them a little better, and um, this will be saved on the live, and it will be on my podcast. So, um, again, the 401 Podcast. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys all so very much for joining in. Have a great day.